Thank you. May be seated. Tonight I'd like to talk about a word, and that word is ownership. Now that's that's a real word. Um, the people in our congregation know that I I like to make up words. <laughs> you know, if there's not a word that uh, fits, and then I make one. Sometimes I help Daniel Webster out, but. Uh, Ownership is a real word. You will find it in the dictionary. How many of you would use that word in your vocabulary sometimes? Yeah, oh, I see some hands back here. Ownership. All right, so you know what the word ownership means. Um, how many of you own something? This is not a trick question at all. Do you own something? Raise your hand if you own something. Okay. So let's have a little bit of comeback here tonight from congregation. What do you own? Anybody? Half a dozen people. Tell me what you own. Land. I'm sorry. Vehicle. Responsibility. Okay. Six pairs of glasses. Six pairs of glasses. All right. That's a good one. What else do you own? Anybody? Anvil. I'm sorry. Say it again. Anvil. Anvil. That's like a piece of iron. Okay. Um, what's that? Guns. Guns, okay. All right, well, we could go on for a long time tonight. We own a lot of different things. How many of you tonight own a watch? Okay, any men have a watch on? Dan, you have a watch on, right? Can I have your watch for a minute? Now, Dan, are you are you sure that you own this watch? The no loan, no mortgage, mortgage on it, nothing. Free and clear. It is yours. Okay, you own this thing. All right. So, do you have a name for your watch? Watch. Just watch. You don't have an affectionate name for your watch. No affectionate name for your watch. All right. Do you have a relationship with your watch? No. Okay, do you talk to your watch? <laughs> All right. So, but when you get up in the morning, you don't say, well, good morning, watch. How are you doing? Did you have a good night's rest? You don't have that kind of relationship to your watch. You don't talk to it in that way. Okay. And, um, and if you don't wear it for a day, you don't say, okay, watch, I'm going to lay you here, and I'm not going to take you with me today, but you'll be all right. I'll be back in a... You don't do that. And so it's a very low level of commitment to own a watch. Really, it doesn't take much to own a watch. Now, somebody said about owning a vehicle, a car, I think that was Tom. Um, one of the things I noticed when we were in Haiti, there's a lot of, out in the country of Titayan, okay, I'm not talking about in Port-au-Prince, but out in the country there's a lot of motos and tap taps there's not many just regular cars there's a lot of motorcycles and a lot of these old junky pickups but not many just regular cars or suvs and sometimes you're driving around out there in the country and and you see a a regular vehicle coming through a car or suv and it's got flashing lights on it it's got a siren on it 
And I remember asking Stanley Fox, I said, what is that? Is that a police or what? He said, oh, no, that's just somebody that owns a vehicle and they got flashing lights on and a siren. I own this vehicle. Okay. I own a vehicle. Now, there's another side of owning vehicles. Um, I bought a Saturn SUV view. I thought I had a pretty nice vehicle. But now you got to remember, we're from Traverse City. We're not so uppity up there, okay? But I thought I had a pretty nice vehicle until I took it to Ohio <laughs> to visit all our friends there. And you know, they weren't too excited about my vehicle. And I soon caught on that I didn't have anything special at all. In fact, it was kind of on the lower end of things when I got to Ohio. And so now when I go to Ohio with my view, I just quietly drive up the driveway and park off in the far corner of the parking lot somewhere and slink away from it, okay? So that's the other side of owning a vehicle. Talking about owning things. Ownership. Many of us maybe own a house or property. And you know, a house takes some upkeep and it takes money, but you know, many of us, we would say it is worth it. There's a satisfaction to having ownership of a house. And we have a deed that says that this property is ours. And as long as we faithfully pay the property tax, that property is ours. We are the owner. It belongs to you because you paid for it. Well, the title of the message tonight is Church Ownership. And the question I pose to you tonight, do you have ownership in the church of Jesus Christ? Do you have ownership in the church of Jesus Christ? And now you're sitting there and you're pondering that question and you have to answer that question in your mind and you immediately say, yes, I do, yes, I do, or no, I don't. And that's the question I pose to you tonight and I invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16. I was in Matthew last night, just about all night, and here we go again in the book of Matthew. And again, a very familiar passage, you know it. Practically by heart. But again, to me tonight, it is fresh, it's new, it's vibrant, it's alive. And it speaks to my heart. Matthew chapter 16, I'll start reading at verse 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And I'd like to stop here for just a moment. I can't quite breeze through here without making a few comments. I like to reduce things down into simple terms so I can understand it. As I view people, there's three categories of people. And there's two destinations. We know that. The Bible says there are two destinations. And I like to view people as coming out in three different categories. The one category of people would be those that believe they have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. They have faith in God and they obey 
Jesus' teachings like we talked about last night. That is one category of people. And those people are on a trip to heaven. That's where they're going to end up. We know that. Real Christians end up in heaven. That's our goal. That is why we are here tonight. Like Brother Claire said, we take time out of our busy schedule because eternity is more important than business. And so there's this category of people that believe they have faith. Faith means they believe everything God has said about himself and everything God has said about man. And they are real Christians. They're going to heaven. That's the one destination, one group of people. Then there's another category of people, those who say no to Jesus. They just say, God, I don't need you. I don't want you in my life. I can live without you, God. And you know, those people are going to the other destination of hell. That's the second destination. They got a ticket to hell. And then there's that third category of people. Those who believe there is a God, but they refuse to humble themselves and to obey God and obey Jesus' teachings, and they convince themselves, when you tell yourself often enough you finally believe your own lies, they convince themselves that God probably didn't mean what he said. And you know, those people are going to that second destination of hell. Because... Friends, God did mean what he said, and he said what he meant. And Jesus says here in verse 15, he says, but whom say ye that I am? And you know, that's a question that comes back to us in a personal way tonight. Who do you say that Jesus is? Do you say, and you need to answer that question, do you say that Jesus is the son of the living God? And that he is the Lord of your life. Is that who he is to you? I trust that is true tonight. Whom say ye that he is? You know, a lot of people don't want to say that because when you say that, that means that you need to obey him. And so that cuts some people out. All right, so verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now I like Brother Peter, and when I get to heaven, he's the man that I do want to meet sometime in my journey through heaven. Um, Peter did, he, he didn't always say the right thing at the right time. He was an impulsive man. And he didn't always get it right, but he got it right this time. When Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, how did you know that? He said, Peter, you're not that smart, you're not that educated, but you got it right this time. And he said, it wasn't you that figured it out, but it's the Holy Spirit inside of you that revealed it. It was inspired truth. What he said was right. And Jesus went on to say, he said, upon this rock, and he didn't mean upon Peter. He said, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church, not upon a man, not upon Peter, but upon the boulder of truth that had come out of Peter's mouth. He said, I'm going to build the church of Jesus Christ. It will be built on Jesus. The church will be built upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, for other foundation can no man lay 
and that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. That is the foundation of the church. I'd like for us to, to notice a few things here in verse 18. Jesus said, he said, I will build my church. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. Amen. Jesus Christ will have a church. There's a church that's going to be built upon him and it will be built God's way. There will be a bride. Revelation chapter 19 tells us he's coming back and he's going to receive the bride, the church unto himself. There will be a church. There is a church. And it is being built. And then Jesus said this, and he said, And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That almost makes my hair stand up on the back of my neck. The gates of hell can't stop it. Oh, the church is under attack today. It's tremendously under attack. And I talk to pastors and, and I hear these comments. The church is under attack. You better believe it is. I believe we're headed for the last times. I believe Jesus Christ is coming back soon and the church is under attack. Satan knows he doesn't have much time. But Jesus said, and you can take assurance in this tonight, he said, the gates of hell cannot stop it. There will be a church. And it seems like Satan has opened the gates of hell and all his demons are out there trying to destroy the church, but he can't do it. Praise God. Can't be stopped. Tonight I'd like to focus in on church ownership. Ownership is, here's what it means. It means to confess that it belongs to me. When Dan said he owns this watch, he was confessing that this is his watch. It's not Ruthie's watch. It's not Annie's watch. It's not Jordan's watch. It's Dan's watch. To confess that it belongs to me. So when we talk about church ownership tonight, it's to confess that I choose to be a builder of the church a builder owner of the church of Jesus Christ. I claim responsibility. That's what we're talking about tonight. Church ownership. I claim responsibility to build the church. You know, we talked about, to get your minds rolling with me tonight, I talked about ownership of, of watches and cars and homes. That's a low level of commitment, friends, tonight. Compared to church ownership. To have ownership and to claim responsibility of building the church of Jesus Christ, my friends, tonight, that is a radical commitment. And maybe you don't like those words, but it is radical. And as time goes on and the world becomes more filled with evil, it looks more radical all the time. And I'm afraid, dear people, that there are too many people in our churches today, in our playing conservative midnight churches, that they are just playing church. That's all they're doing. They're just playing church. And they're playing with the blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, God said that I bought the church with blood, the blood of my own son, Jesus Christ. And we're playing church with that. I hope we're not. My friends, it's a radical commitment. Two things that Jesus came to earth for. 
One, he came to seek and save the lost. That's what he said. He said, I came to seek and save the lost through salvation, through the cross, through the blood. By his blood on the cross, he came to this earth to seek and to save the lost. And I praise God tonight, many, many of you here tonight have been to the cross and you're saved and you're washed in his blood. That's why Jesus came. That's one reason why he came. Another reason why Jesus came is this, is to establish the church, to gather the bride, so that the lost would be gathered into the church and there would be a bride at the great marriage of the Lamb. And my friends tonight, the, the, the being saved and being part of the church, they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. And they cannot be separated, my friends, tonight. You know, there's a lot of churchy people out in our world today that they want to separate them. Oh, yes, you want to get people saved. But then, then they separate that from being part of the, the bride, the true church of Jesus Christ. My friends, tonight, they're inseparable. And any serious Christian will not want to play church. And any serious Christian will be in love with the church of Jesus Christ. And so when I hear people say, when I hear people say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm born again. But I see them uncommitted to a local church. My friend, friends tonight, that is red lights flashing in my mind. When people say they're born again, and they're a Christian, but they don't want to commit to a local church. That, that's warning lights to me. Something is wrong here. Something's not right. You know, your people, the first thing, when somebody gets saved, they want to be part of the church. That is a natural thing for a Christian. You want to be part of the church. It is so natural. That's why I get alarmed when people say they're saved, they're born again, but they don't want to, they don't want to tie in into ownership of the church of Jesus Christ. And say, now wait a minute here. That's natural for a Christian. You know, when you are thirsty, when you're thirsty, the natural thing for you to do is go to the refrigerator and get something to drink. Go to the spring. Go wherever the liquid is and you get something to drink. When you're hungry, you go where the food is. McDonald's, steakhouse, uh, Ruthie's refrigerator, wherever it is, you go where the food is. That's a natural thing to do. And when you are saved and you are born again, my friends, it is natural that you go to the church. Church of Jesus Christ. I love the church. And I preach for the church because that's God's bride. And it really bothers me when, when we play church, dear people. And I'm not saying you are. I don't know this congregation. I don't know that. But there's several things that prompt me to preach a message like this. As I travel around, I see a really low commitment to the local church of Jesus Christ. That bothers me. A low level of commitment. I don't know how people think they can play church and get by. It's not going to happen, friends. And you know, I need this reminder tonight as much as anybody. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm just as human as you are. I, I'm just as prone to materialism as you are. I'm just as prone to uh, pride and selfishness and, and self-gratification as anyone else. So I need this message tonight. 
This past term at Maranatha, I taught the class on doctrine of the church. And that stirred my heart as I would sit there and we would talk about the church of Jesus Christ. And, and I hear young people verbalize things and, and they're frustrated with their home congregations. And they say things like this, you know, where is the, the commitment to our local congregation? Young people are asking these questions. Where is the enthusiasm for our home church? Why does it seem so dead? Why aren't people excited about it? Why? Here's what they ask. Why is our Sunday evening attendance half of the Sunday morning attendance? I have no idea what it is here. I look back on the board and it says, attendance today, 121. I assume that was on Sunday morning. I don't know how many it is on a Sunday night. Maybe it's 123. But the young people are asking, why is our Wednesday evening attendance a half of what the Sunday evening attendance is? Now we're down to 25%. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24. You don't have to turn to it. You know it. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. My friends... Tonight, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says this. And I'm putting in my own words, but this is what the Bible says. It says that you should go to church regularly. That's what it says. Now, you might get mad at me. I realize I probably should not have preached this message till Sunday night. And I could have got out of here. But don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. The Bible says you should go to church regularly. That's what it says. Don't forsake it. Go to church. And so much the more as ye see the day approaching. He's saying as the days become nearer and dearer to the rapture, and the world becomes more and more evil, more and more uh, temptations all around us, go to church more. That's what he says. That's what God's Word says. And you know what I see in our churches? I see less assembling together. That's not biblical, my friends. I believe that every member should plan to be at every meeting of your church. At every service. I understand, dear people. You may think I'm radical and dogmatic, but I do understand Sickness, health issues, old age, going away from home to some other place. I understand all that. You can't be there every time. But you know what? I simply do not believe that God will excuse us when we get to judgment day for lack of attendance because of lack of desire or or wrong priorities. I don't think God's going to excuse that. You know why? Because for the most part, we do what we want to do. And for the most part, we do what we think is important. And so when I skip church service to do something else, I am saying, God, look, I believe that what I am doing tonight on this Wednesday night is more important than coming to church to worship you and to be with your people and to be encouraged in the Lord. That's what we're saying.
Oh, my. Okay, there's more to be said, but we need to move on. Okay, we're here in Matthew chapter 18. And again, here in verse 18, Jesus said, he said, I will build my church. I would like for you and your mind just to circle the little word my. My church. Now Jesus said it's, it's, it's his church. It's God's church. It's not Todd's church or Eric's church or Claire's church or Dan's church or Andy's church or Tim's church. It's God's church. I will build my church. It's God's. And I want us to get that tonight. My dear friends, you think about church and you think, oh, it's the Hayward Mennonite Church. Or it's, it's Todd's church. And it's, you know, and, and what we need to remember, dear people, is it's God's church. It's His church. It's not our church. It's His. And that's the very fact that it is God's church should draw us like a magnet to the doors. Because this is God's church. It ought to compel us to come in. This is God's church. It should be such a force that draws us that, I mean, it'll take just about a hurricane to keep us away from it. And then he says, well, he says, I will build. Jesus said, I will build. Now, is Jesus here in person tonight in this building? I, I haven't seen him. Now, we know God's Spirit is here. We can sense that, but I don't see Jesus here in person tonight in this building. But Jesus said, he said, I'm going to build this church. So how is Jesus going to build this church if he's not here? Well, first of all, he laid the foundation. His life, his blood, the cross, salvation. He rose from the dead. He taught us. He ascended. He is waiting. And so he has, he's got it all planned. He's laid out the foundation. We know how it's going to end. The foundation is there. So that's one way that's going to be built. And then B, he's going to build it with men and women that are saved and obey and build upon Jesus Christ. He can't build it with, with lukewarm people. He cannot build it with a carnal spirit, a rebellious spirit. He's going to build the church with people that have got Holy Spirit fire burning inside them. They are spiritually alive. And that's who he's going to use to build the church of Jesus Christ. People that are alive spiritually. They're burning. And so, here's the beautiful part. When Jesus said, I will build... My church, my friends tonight, that is an invitation to you and me. Jesus is holding out his arms. He said, I'm going to build the church. What he's saying is, here it is. Have a go at it. Take the hammer. He wants to put a hammer in your hand, Patrick. He wants to put a hammer in your hand, Todd. Build the church. It's an invitation to take that hammer and build it. Church ownership is to confess that I choose to be a builder of the church of Jesus Christ. It's God's church, but He compels us to ownership. To reach out and to take His hand. The job belongs to me and it belongs to you. Jesus is extending a hammer, as it were, 
to build his church. Okay, three things that most people don't want. Three reasons, three things that why many don't sign on for church ownership. Accountability, responsibility, and submittability. And I don't think that's a word, but I made it one. All right? It needs to be a word. Submittability. Responsibility, accountability, submittability. I said your church ownership is a radical commitment. And so it takes all three of those. It requires that. And, and people, it requires submittability. And you know what? People don't like that today. We live in a world and a culture that is very uh, individualistic. Our bishop, Brother John, says it's, it's hyper-individualism. And that's what it is. That's what our culture is all about. It's all about me and what I like and what I enjoy and what I want to do. And you know what? Somehow that plague has come inside the doors of our churches and sits on our church benches. Individualism. But that's not how the church is built. It's built by submittability to each other. Submitting to each other. It's a radical commitment to be accountable and responsible and submitting. It's not for the backslider. It's not for the bench warmer. It's not for the part-timer. It's not for the selfish or the carnally minded. It is not, what I'm talking about tonight, is not for the religious person that, re, that crams their spiritual life into two hours on a Sunday morning. Oh no, my friends. It's way more than that. Three things people don't want. Some people don't want. I trust tonight you do. Accountability, responsibility, submittability. You know, when when you get saved, like I said, the most natural thing for a saved person is they want to be in a church. That is so natural, my friends. And you got you got three options when you want to go to church. The one is you can join the church and you can say, Yes! I want to be a builder of this church. I want to join it. I want to be a member. I want to belong to it. I want to assume ownership here and I want to build. Praise God, that's where we should be. Another choice you have is you can be a hitchhiker, be a member, because it's expected, but just hitchhike along with the church. Another way you can do it is you can be a drifter. And you can attend on Sunday mornings. I have no membership, and that's becoming very popular in our settings, unfortunately. Just a drifter. Get there Sunday mornings. No membership. Low level of commitment. And just drift along. And as long as nobody puts too much pressure on, that's how we'll be. We'll just drift along. Well, I'm speaking very bluntly here tonight, but I hope there are no drifters here tonight. I, I hope not. Because, my friend, that is a very dangerous place to be. Because unless you cleanse your heart of your pride and your rebellion, you know what? You're going to drift right along and eventually you'll drift right out of the church. I mentioned about hitchhikers. How many of you pitch, pick up hitchhikers occasionally? Oh, yeah, a number of you. I don't often get an opportunity because my wife is usually with me and then she declines. So, um, But I like to pick them up. I always think it's a, you know, you get them in your car 
It is a great opportunity to witness. That's what I think. I mean, they're there. <laughs> they got to listen to you. You can turn the, the tape player off, whatever, and they got to listen to you. So it's a great opportunity to listen. And you, you pick them up, you see them, you just pray to God and say, God, I'll pick them up if you protect, protect me. And you know what? God has always done that for me. But anyhow, hitchhikers. Uh, let's think about what a hitchhiker is. They want a free ride, right? That's, that's what they mean. When they're out there thumbing or they're carrying a sign, they want to go, they want a free ride to somewhere. So they're hitchhiking. Okay? Uh, a hitchhiker assumes no responsibility for the money it takes to buy the vehicle, to pay the gas, to pay the oil, to fix repairs, and put tires on that car. They carry no responsibility for that at all. They're a hitchhiker. The hitchhiker also expects a safe trip. I mean, they do not expect you to crash that thing while they're in their car, right? They expect a safe trip. And a hitchhiker also expects that he is, in case there is an accident, that he is covered by your insurance. (laughs) Yeah. And a hitchhiker may even ask you to drive a few miles out of your way to get where he wants to go. I hope you're not a hitchhiker in church tonight. Taking no responsibility for building the church, but just on a free ride. Not embracing accountability or responsibility or submittability. My friend, tonight, if you're a hitchhiker in this church, you need to repent. And get on your knees and cry out to God for mercy and commit yourself to church ownership. Because hitchhikers have a negative effect upon a congregation. We turn with me yet to First Corinthians chapter twelve. And in the middle of the chapter, oh, I'm in the wrong book here. Paul here is talking about the church. And so if we go to verse 12, he's talking about the church and he calls it the body. For as the body is one and hath many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we are all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles or whether we be bond or free and having been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not... I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are there many members, yet one body? And the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, nor the head to the foot, I don't need you. And I'm, I'm going fast here. Um... Verse 23, and all these members of the body, which you think to be less honorable upon these, we bestow more abundant honor. 
Uh, let's go down to verse 26. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, yet all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular, and God has set some in the church. Okay, I'm going to stop reading right there. Here we have Paul giving us a picture of the church of Jesus Christ. And he says a number of things here that are really important. Number one, we are not a church in and of ourselves. He says, he says that the body is not one member but many. And I know that there are people today that embrace home churching, and I'm, I'm not saying there's not a place for it at certain times, certain situations, I understand. But when there is a local body of the church of Jesus Christ, um, we need to be there. That's what Paul is saying. Or one person doesn't make a good church. We don't, one person doesn't have all the gifts. And we could go on with that. There's a lot of reasons why. That we are to tie into church ownership of the local congregation. That's what Paul is saying here. Then Paul, he uses this powerful metaphor of the human body and how that's a picture of the church body. The human body made up of all these parts and pieces, hands, legs, feet, and all the stuff inside of us. It all works together beautifully. And Paul says that's the picture of the church of Jesus Christ. There's many people that make up the church. And God has designed the church, the local church, to be radically connected, interconnected, and dependent upon each other. Just like the human body. You know, the parts of my body depend on the other parts of the body. And that's the way the church is. That's how God designed it. So, I'm going to put this in my own words to make it hopefully more clear for us tonight what Paul is saying about the church. So, he uses the human body. So, if, if my eyes, if my left eye would say, you know what, I don't like being here in Hayward, Wisconsin. I want to live in Milwaukee. And so, my left eye pops out and it rolls down the road and goes and lives in Milwaukee. Hmm. And what if my ears would say, you know what? I don't like snow. I don't like blowing snow. I'm going to live in Florida where they don't have snow. So my ears come off and they go live in Florida. Hmm. And what if, uh, what if my right foot would say, you know what? I like wearing a flat sole tennis shoe. Okay. But what if my left foot would say, you know what? I like wearing a cowboy boot with two and a half inch heel. You know, this type of thing going on. Okay. So if the church is one body and one eye is missing and two ears are off somewhere else, and they're having all kinds of hip issues and knee issues because they're wearing two kind of different kinds of shoes. You know what? That's a picture of a dysfunctional church. It cannot operate right. It can't hear right. It can't see right. It can't walk right. It can't run right. It is not appealing. It is ineffective. It is powerless. And so church ownership is a radical commitment to function together as one body. I've got to somehow close this thing down. 
You know, friends, we are accountable to each other. Church ownership is a radical interdependence upon each other. And if my left eye is down in Milwaukee, you need to come to me and say, Delmer, why is your left eye down in Milwaukee? Why is it not here? What's it doing? Playing marbles down there? Or what's it looking at down there? Why is your left eye in Milwaukee? Why doesn't it want to be here in its place? And if I'm limping around in, in pain and because i got a cowboy boot on one foot and a tennis shoe on the other and my hips are giving out, you know, somebody needs to come and say, hey, you need help. We're all hurting. We're all suffering. We're not running well. We need to be accountable to each other. We need to submit to each other. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21 says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God in the context of the church. He's talking about the different gifts in the church. And he says you need to submit to each other in the fear of God. That is a verse that a lot of people just like to plain cut out of their Bible. Make their Bible skinny. They don't like that verse. Because we got this plague of individualism and we want to do what we want to do. And my opinions matter and they count and they're right. But no, friends, God calls the church to submit to each other. Tonight, I would like to encourage loyalty to your home congregation, dear people. I want to encourage you tonight to be loyal to your home congregation, the local church of Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to be loyal to it. And there's there's things that work against that loyalty, I believe, especially in our day-to-day. Brother Clark mentioned how it seems like time is just going faster and faster and we're busier and busier. You know what? That is one of the problems we're having why it is easy to discount loyalty to our church. I've got a list of several things that I believe that work against loyalty to our home congregations. One of them is affluence. We live in an affluent society. We have stuff. Because we have stuff, we're busy. And you know what that, well, you know what that does? It means that we don't need each other. That's a problem. We don't need each other. We can get along fine without each other. Loyalty to the church. Another problem we have is ease of travel. It is easy not to be here. It's so easy to be somewhere else. It's easy. We can hop on a plane on a Saturday in California on Sunday. It's easy to be anywhere else in the world. And I'm not saying we shouldn't go other places. But I believe that we should be loyal to our home congregation. And you know... We try, and, and we, we're going to be gone Sunday, and we're going different times, but we try to be home. Even if we're gone during the week, if we can get back for Sunday, we try to do it. I want to be loyal to our group of believers. And you know, we live in this affluent society and day, and we have money. That doesn't mean that, that we can't travel, but I think we can afford to be back on Sunday to support our congregation. Another thing that is eroding loyalty to our home congregations is technology. These virtual relationships that we have through all kinds of avenues that aren't real. And it erodes our loyalty to our home congregation. And you know, friends, the body cannot work properly as as the church of Jesus Christ if we are disconnected, dysfunctional, 
and distracted and a low level of commitment. May God help us. Church ownership. My friends tonight, have you signed on to confess that I have chosen to build this church? Jesus said, I will build my church. And he's holding out his hands. He's extending a hammer to you. Have you said, yes, that's what I want. I will be responsible. I will be accountable. I will be submittable. I will be a part of the body. Have you said yes to Jesus? You have three options. You can join the church and build it and claim ownership. You can be a hitchhiker or you can be a drifter. Are you building the church or are you hanging out with God's people? Does your heart tonight throb for your local congregation, the Church of Jesus Christ? Following a short prayer, I'm going to just open it up tonight. The Lord has convicted you to claim ownership of your local congregation and you'd like to share that with the congregation tonight. It'd be a great time to do it. I sense there's not maybe not many visitors here tonight. It'd be a great time to prosper this church. Or maybe tonight you'd just like to share a word of testimony of your appreciation for the church. Or you want to encourage your congregation. Or express your support to the ministry team. If the Lord lays something on your heart tonight, I encourage you to be brave and to share. Shall we pray? Father, we come to you tonight and thank you again for your word and the Holy Spirit. And 